Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. One of my all-time favorite hip-hop acts, groups, duos, uh, really musical acts, is Outkast. Uh, if you're a fan of Outkast and you know their first album, 1994, I believe it was, Southern Playalistic Cadillac Music, uh, it starts off with my intro to let you know. So this is my intro to let you know. Um, the first episode, hopefully first of many, of my main man, Michael Smith. Uh, some of you know... Some of you may be new um, and may not understand what this week means to me. Uh, the draft, the NFL draft, has always been my absolute favorite sporting event. Like, miss me with March Madness, um, you know, Stanley Cup playoff, um, you know, World Series, Masters. No, no, no. Give me the NFL draft. I've lived for the draft for as long as I can remember. I've lived for the draft for my entire life, uh, which is why I'm so happy and excited uh, to be able to launch this podcast during my favorite week of the year. Um, and really one of my favorite drafts in recent memory. I mean, it's, more than usual, it seems like nobody knows anything. Um, but just the, the quick backstory about my love affair with the draft, I don't, I don't know exactly when it started. I just know that as a kid, uh, growing up in New Orleans, uh, loving the New Orleans Saints. And I think the Saints were uh, a great example of why the draft is so fun and so popular because back then the Saints didn't have a whole lot of hope. Now, I didn't grow up wearing bags on my head, but um, the Saints were, I mean, having a winning season was an accomplishment when I was growing up. Um, it was a long way from winning the Super Bowl or being a perennial contender. And so, you know, the the hope and the uh, enthusiasm, the excitement, and the, the promise that the draft brought meant a lot to uh, a frustrated Saints fan. And I'm sure there are a lot of fan bases who feel that way. And so I remember watching the draft back when it was on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I'm old enough to remember when it was 12 rounds before they uh, reduced it to seven. Long before it was in primetime on a Thursday night and it went Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, I was always in New York. It's now a traveling road show. Uh, it's, a, it's the ultimate fan fest now. And this year, of course, it's in Kansas City. Uh, and it just keeps getting bigger and bitter. Big, bigger and bigger. Uh, it was on one network. It was on ESPN. There was no NFL network back in those days. Uh, certainly wasn't simulcast on network television on ABC like it is now. Uh, there wasn't this industry. Uh, it, it wasn't, there was an industry of, of, of draft nicks, but, it, but it's exploded, obviously. Uh, you know, Rick Gosling was and, and still is the GOAT. Um, you know, he, he's the forefather of Josh Norris from Underdog Fantasy, who's going to join us later on. Um, and so I remember just watching the draft pick by pick. 
you know, round by round, day by day. And maybe it's the nerd in me. Like I'm a process person. Like I'm big on uh, on how things are built, how things are constructed. And so for the draft, uh, for me, it's the process. It's it's the mystery. It's the intrigue. It's about like Darius Love Hall and Love Jones, like romance. It's about the possibility of the thing. It's the potential. It's the hypotheticals. Um, it's the strategy. It's the gamesmanship. It's the what ifs. It's the what could have beens. Uh, it's the what was what was this close to happening, but really didn't that you find out after the fact. Um, it's the futures and the fates that are decided based on nothing but a, somebody's subjective opinion. Um, it's the it's the mock drafts. It's the lies. I love the lies. Uh, you know, it's it's the stories. It's the journeys. It's the dreams coming true, um, you know, because everybody's got a story of how they got to this point. And it doesn't matter whether they work out or not, whether they boom or bust, whether they hit or miss, like for one night at least or for one weekend at least, they made it. I can never get enough of seeing people's families cry and hug them and people and see people on, on the phone. It's like I can't get enough of that because the potential and the possibility um, is is just – it can't be corrupted. You know, it's almost like it's like it's like the feeling of getting a new car. Like as soon as you drive a car off the lot, it, it depreciates with value. It depreciates in its value. Um, like a player, as soon as he he's drafted, eventually now it becomes about performance. But for that one moment, it's like, hey, all my dreams have come true. Everything I work for has come true. And from a team standpoint, like this is where championships are built. Like all, like people say, well, the Super Bowl. How you, how you like the draft better than the Super Bowl? How are you gonna say that 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 an event where people are not playing an actual game is better? Well, you get to the Super Bowl starting. This is where the road to the Super Bowl starts. This is where Hall of Famers. Uh, th- typically, this is the, the way they enter into the league. This is where general managers and coaches you know, make their legacies and, and make their names and make their reputations. And so the significance of the draft has always been something that I've just been so fascinated by. And it's, it's honestly, it's why I'm in the fantasy football It's why I've spent an inordinate amount of time in franchise mode in Madden. Um, because I, not to play Madden, I could, I, I'm not, I've never been a good actual player. I'm not one of these dudes that's like with the headphones on playing people that I, I can't see. I don't know. No, it's like, I just want to get to the part where we draft. I just want to get to the scouting. Like people notice about me. If if I could afford it, if if I could, if I could, if, and if somebody willing to give me a shot, I would quit this job today to be uh, a, a scout or a personnel executive, just to be front row um, for uh, the NFL draft process. It's just it's always uh, consumed me um, in a way that just excites me more than really. Any other sporting event, uh, you know, I, I don't get me wrong. I enjoy, you know, actual competition. <laughs> but I, like I said, I think it's the nerd in me that's really, um, really connected um, to the process of the NFL draft. And so, of course, since we're launching this podcast during draft week, uh, we're going to have a very draft centric show. Which, I mean, if you go for your first episode, let's start with the first pick or who we think is going to be the first pick. Bryce Young. Um the number one NFL insider uh, in the country, if you ask me, for my money, my main man, Charles Robinson from Yahoo. 
And the guy with the number one most accurate mock draft of all time, Josh Norris from Underdog Fantasy. I think that's a hell of a lineup. If, if, if you, t- Hey, you know what? I never thought they'd be there. I never thought those guys would be we were, When we were picking for this podcast, you couldn't have told me that those three guys would be on our board. Those are the top three players on our board for episode one, my main man, Michael Smith. So if you're a draft nerd like me, you should enjoy it. Uh, thanks for coming along on this journey. Uh, thanks for subscribing. Uh, Thanks in advance for uh, the high ratings and the positive comments. And uh, let's get this party started. And for the first episode of my main man, Michael Smith, I am so pleased to be joined by the presumptive first overall pick of the 2023 NFL draft. My main man, Bryce Young, who is here on behalf of Snickers Ice Cream and together they're helping fans chill out with the Snickers Bryce Cream Bar. So, Bryce, here's what I had in mind, man. Thank you for being here. Uh, let's switch it up a little bit. And let's have you do the drafting. I'm going to get some number one overall picks from you, all right? Starting with your number one way to chill out. Yeah, um, you know, number way, number one way to, to chill out is, is definitely with uh, these these new Snickers Bryce Cream Bars. Um, you know, this is something that, um, you know, I'm, I'm partnering with uh, alongside with, with Snickers Ice Cream. Um, and, you know, we're going to offer, like you said, a, a way for, for fans to chill out. And, you know, that's for, um, you know, and, you know, we're introducing these Snickers Bryce Cream Bars. And, uh, you know, fans can, can visit Snickers.com backslash Bryce Cream Bar to enter the win, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to, to get a chance to, to try the treat out. But, I mean, I'm, I'm super excited. Um, you know, it's definitely something that, um, you know, that, that, is, that is honor for sure. And I'm, I'm grateful to be working with the, the great people at, at Snickers that made this possible. Sounds cool. Sounds delicious. But besides enjoying ice cream, Snickers ice cream, what is Bryce's, Bryce Young's number one way to relax? Uh, you know, for me, um, you know, really just, just chilling at, you know, chilling at home, watching, watching YouTube, uh, watching right. Netflix, something like that. All right. What is your number one hobby or interest outside of football? Uh, definitely basketball. Definitely basketball. Watching basketball, um, you know, playing basketball when I can, all that stuff. But I, I definitely love basketball. Yeah, that was your first love growing up. You played it a lot, obviously, before focusing on football. I know your your you and your family got to meet Steph Curry after you won the Heisman. Uh, you happen to be born in the same hospital that Kobe Bryant was born in. So here's your number one overall question. Your number one overall draft pick, NBA players, all time and active. And do they have to be like they, of of number one overall picks? No, no, oh no, they don't have to be specifically the number one. Just you, your draft. You you pick one player all time, whoever you want. Got it. Yeah, I mean my my favorite player all time is definitely Steph. So um, you know okay. I, I definitely go with go with Steph Curry. Um, yeah, favorite 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 athlete ever. Okay, cool. Uh, we talked a lot about ice cream. What is the w- number one overall food you would pick to eat for the rest of your life? Sushi, definitely sushi. Uh, yeah, I, I could eat sushi probably, probably for for every meal for the rest of my life. Wow. All right. Uh, your parents, they're gonna move wherever you end up, and they moved near Tuscaloosa while you were in school, and they used to make you Sunday dinners. So, what is the number one dish that your mom or dad makes? Um, you know, I go with salmon. Um, it's like, a, uh, it's, it's become kind of a collaborative effort now. Uh, I would, I would help with the sauce and then, you know, my parents would, would help with the cooking and we'd figure out the size, but I'd probably go with salmon. What kind of salmon? Like a miso salmon? Uh, it's like a, um, like a sweet, like a, 
Uh, it's like a like a salmon with like a little glaze on top, or like like a, a glaze, like hundred grams sugar. Yes. Bet. Speaking of your parents, what's the number one lesson that your father Craig, who's a therapist, and your mother Julie, who's a teacher, what's the number one lesson that they each taught you? Uh, yeah, I think for as far as my my mom, it's definitely empathy. Um, just just being empathetic towards others. Um, you know, I really witnessed it firsthand with watching how she was with her with her students, and um, you know, just regardless of where you're at or where other people are at, you know, that that's all irrelevant and all circumstantial. Um, you know, it's just, you know, we're, we're all human. We all deserve uh, respect and, and empathy. And, um, you know, just, just to go into to, to all base situations, you know, with our empathetic mindset. And, then, you know, my dad, I feel like, um, you know, he's really helped instill in something that I, I carry into really almost all aspects of my life of, of controlling what you can control, uh, you know, letting go mm-hmm. and understanding that, you know, you can't control everything and that, you know, a lot is in, in God's hands and a lot is, is off of your hands. And, you know, instead of that, to, to put your energy into what you can control and, you know, to control yourself. And, and um, you know, when you're stressing out stuff you can't control, you know, that's, that's wasting energy. So just to, to, to put all that I, I focus on on that. That's good stuff. Um, you are a psych major at Bama. What's the number one thing you learned or your favorite thing that you learned about uh, the human mind in your studies? That's a good one. That's a good question. Um, you know, I'd say, I'd say probably one of my, you know, it came from, came from one of my favorite classes I took there, which was a social psych class. Um, you know, that, um, was, I think I took that my, what, took that my sophomore year. That was a really good, you know, that was a really good, um, class. And, um, you know, kind of one of the things, uh, kind of a, I don't want to get too long-winded about it, but, you know, no, um, to sum it all up, it's the, no, to sum it all up, it's kind of the uh, it's kind of the approach that that your mind takes when you meet someone new, um, and you know, kind of the the different approaches that um, you know you kind of can have about how you you know how you you know when you're choosing to to open up to someone when you're not, um, and you know honestly it doesn't have where it doesn't have as much carryover you know it can't carry the football a little bit but you know it's less about on the field stuff but I just found it interesting um, you know it was yeah if I were to explain the whole thing it's a little a little long winded. But, um, you know, it's kind of like the, the point of when you, you know, when you start to become more vulnerable with, with other people. And, um, you know, it came into it was like a deeper conversation that we had in, in the social psych class that I took. But it was something that I thought was, was really interesting. OK, we'll, we'll save that conversation for another day. We got a little yeah, bit more time. For sure, for sure. <laughs> what is the number one mental health tool that you use or habit that you practice? Um, you know, for me, um, you know, kind of a, a, a tool that I have that has worked for me a lot is just been controlling my breathing. Um, you know, that that's something that I feel like, um, you know, although it's physical, it helps me uh, mentally dial back in onto, um, you know, and, and to get my focus more streamlined. Um, so, um, you know, it's a physical tool, but it's something that, that helps me mentally and kind of a, a, a cue that I have to, to get myself. And I've been, my dad's helped me with that, and I've been doing that for a while. Um, so I kind of can do that a little bit more subconsciously now, but, mm. um, you know, that's something that I definitely do pretty actively. Okay. Uh, you're an only child. You're number one overall pick to have as a sibling. That's a good question. Um, number one. Oh, wow. That's a good one to have as a sibling. Um, anybody, anybody I feel like Jake's a great sibling to have. Like, I feel like that's like a cool, like, I feel like that opens a lot of, I feel like that Drake? opens a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah, I feel like that opens a lot of doors. Like, that's a fun, like, yeah. 
feel like that would be a, a, a cool person to 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 be yeah. around and just like be able to catch up with every once in a while. Yeah. Well, I'll put it to you like this, Bryce. Um, if you're having trouble right now, I don't think you'll have a difficult time getting in the, in the parties pretty soon. I think you'll be good. You should be able to get wherever you want right now, but you, you're on the VIP list moving forward very soon. Um, speaking of good friends, though, the number one thing you appreciate most about your good friend, CJ Stroud. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, I think just how, how genuine and, and, um, you know, real person he is outside of football. Um, again, we've worked out, you know, we've worked out a bunch, you know, we've, we've been to a bunch of the same camps growing up. Um, you know, we, you know, we work out together now and I've seen him a lot as a football player and, you know, I have all the respect in the world for, for him as, as a player and, you know, all the stuff that he does on the field, um, you know, that, that everyone sees. Um, but, you know, really just the stuff, you know, we've had a lot of, of, of moments of conversations that have nothing to do with football. And, you know, just knowing about him and, and his story and what he stands for and how he carries himself that, you know, and again, off the field, that doesn't have anything to do with football. Um, you know, just how genuinely good of a person he is. Um, you know, I feel like that's, that's what I'm most grateful to be around. That's awesome. I love that relationship. All right. Um, I asked you about your number one overall pick for basketball. Tell me your number one QB of all time. Ooh, these are some these are some tough ones. You know, I'm gonna go. You know, I'm I'm gonna keep it current. You know, I think this is a little bit more in the future. You know, I think you, like you know, I think that especially where it's at, and there, there's a lot more to go. You know, I'll go with you know, I'll go with Patrick Mahomes. You know, I think he, he's getting there. I, you know, I think it's I think it's just you know when it's all said and done. You know, I think you know what he's been able to do at the age that he's at. You know, with with the experience he has is you know it's already in that. And you can already make the case now. And obviously, he has a lot more, yeah. you know, a lot more to go uh, in front of him. So, you know, I'll go with, go with Patrick Mahomes. It's a good choice. I like it. That's forward thinking, and it's based on what he's already done. I like that. Your number one pick, any receiver all time to throw to? Any receiver all time? Uh, I feel like you got to go with Randy Moss. Like, I feel like that's a – I feel like – Feel like prime Randy Moss, like you know, there's nothing. Just throw that hand up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yo, right like, off the well, line. You know, exactly. Just, just complete receiver. Nothing you can't do. I mean, you know, I feel like you know, I feel like that, that's what I'll go with. What about active? What about active receiver? Number one active receiver to throw to. Ooh, number one active receiver. That's a good one. Ah, uh, man, that's tough. Uh, number one active receiver. I might have to go – honestly, I might have to go Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, Jamar all Chase, right. All right, okay. Yeah. Look, point guard, that was an alley-oop. You could have said Adam Thielen. <laughs> you could have said Terrace Marshall. <laughs> I, I, I don't know where – I don't know what he thinks. I, hey, man, I don't know, I know. anything. I'm messing I, with I, you. I don't know anything, man. I'm, I'm just messing with you, man. I'm just messing with you. You're good. You're good. Hey, uh, you're a very decorated player, obviously. We got a few more. Your number one accomplishment on the field? Um, number one accomplishment on the field, I feel like for for you know, for me, I feel like it's probably the um, you know, probably SEC championship. Um, you know, that's something that we pride pride ourselves in and was a goal for us as a team was to win championships. And you know, that was something that means a lot to the program and, and means a lot to you know, means a lot to to me and, and us and everyone yeah. in Alabama. So, you know, I, I go with that. Okay. I want to have a few, get a few fun ones uh, with you before uh, we run out of time. Your number one pair of sneakers and your number one article of clothing. I know that's something you and your parents bond about. So sneakers <laughs> and clothing. 
Yeah, number one pair is uh, number one pair of sneakers. I go with um, I go with some off white fours. Um, off white fours. Off white fours. That's probably you know that's yeah, that's probably favorite pair I have now and then. Um, and then favorite pair of clothing. Art- yeah, any article of clothing, uh, jacket, t-shirt, clothing. jeans, whatever. Yeah. You know, that's a tough one. You know, I probably, I'm pretty simple. Um, I like more like utility. So um, mm-hmm. stuff that I could wear, you know, I could wear all the time. So there's like a Jordan track suit that, um, you know, that I wear a lot. That's super comfortable. Um, yep. And, you know, it's, yep. I got a bunch of different colors in them. So I can wear them with, with anything. So go with that. Makes sense. I like where your head's at. Your number one pick of a TV series to binge. Um... Rick and Morty, for sure. That's my favorite. Yeah, I go Rick and Morty. Movie to watch or rewatch. Number one all-time movie to watch or rewatch. Paid in full, definitely. I knew I loved you. Oh, we could spend all day just on that. I should have I should have led with that. I should have led with that. I love the no, game, what's your favorite? Man, I, I love the hustle. Oh, I, I love the hustle. I love the hustle, man. <laughs> everybody eats. That's how you play. You everybody play like eat, everybody dude. eats. Everybody oh eats. my gosh. Oh my gosh. You are my number one quarterback. Um favorite YouTube channel. Uh ooh, that's a good one. Uh favorite YouTube channel. Uh what's it called? I can't pronounce it, but it's just, it's like Kyrgyzstan or whatever. Um, okay. but it's like, it's like a science, like YouTube, they just do like a bunch of, it's like animated, uh, but they do a bunch of like YouTube videos of like, um, it's like explaining, like, it's like science videos. Like they do a bunch of like explaining like earth and like science stuff, but like, it's like animated. Yeah. So it's like interactive. I don't know. I, I watch all their videos. All right. I'm going to sneak in a couple more before we let you go. One musical artist or group and their catalog. You could have one. Plus the catalog, I can only choose one. I can't choose one. It's either Jake or J. Cole. I'm sorry, I cheated the question. Okay, um, that's okay. But, but those that's are right. it, it has either, either Drake or J. Cole. Drake or J. Cole. I like your taste. All right, and lastly, get you out of here with this: the number one thing that you've enjoyed most about this entire draft process. Um, number one thing I think is, um, you know, I think it's been able to be on this, you know, on this journey with everyone else that's in my class. Um, you know, being able to work out with with, you know, other people in the, in the class, um, you know, out here where I've been training um, and, you know, being able to be around people at Combine and um, same thing, uh, see everyone again in, in Pro Day. Um, you know, it, it, it's a very unique process, but, you know, having, you know, a bunch of other people that are that are going with you and going through the same thing, you know, I think that kind of brings us together and, and makes us closer. So I think that's been my favorite part. Hey, man, um, I hope you've enjoyed this. You nailed this like you did the S2. Like, you crushed it. This was great. I enjoyed it. Next time we talk, we're talking about that psych lesson, and we're talking about paid in full. All right? I appreciate you, Bryce. Thank you so much for the time, man. Congratulations and much success going forward. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Look, y'all have heard me say that the NFL draft or this week is my Christmas. And if it's my Christmas, I'm about to talk to Santa Claus. Josh Norris (laughs) from Underdog Fantasy is the guy who makes a list, checks it twice, and if you don't know, you need to get familiar um, because his mock drafts are gospel uh, throughout the industry. Uh, I know what what I'll be doing is refreshing and checking the internet (laughs) Wednesday Wednesday at midnight, Josh. Is that the last one? You nailed it, my man. Um, It's it's been a fun ride a couple years ago, and this might be where you're leading, back in 2021 when that Uh was previously – the most unpredictable draft of all time. Somehow okay. I was able to piece together, do some dot connecting and uh, nail 16 of 32 picks 16. that year. So well, some might well, call well, it the well, most well, mock, well. accurate mock draft of all time. You know, some it is, it is. Not yeah. only did you get 16 picks, right? You got 27 of the 32 players picked in the first round. So that is the gold standard for accuracy when it comes to mock drafts. The most inexact science, somehow you were damn near perfect. Um, And I definitely want to get into that process, into your process in general. But uh, we just talked to Bryce Young. And I want to start there. I want to start at the top. Because, first of all, you uh, and your partner Hayden Winks over at Underdog Fantasy at the Underdog Football Show, you guys are doing God's work with these prospect videos, okay? that I've just been like obsessed with, all right? It's, it is gold. Um, what a gift that is. And at the end of the Bryce Young video, you said you had about two pages of notes that you didn't get to. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, so I'm wondering, I guess I'll ask it to you this way. What, what else needs to be said at this point about Bryce Young or what, in your opinion, isn't said often enough or loud enough about the presumptive number one overall pick to the Panthers? You know, that's a great question. And I'll try to repeat a phrase that I said during that time, you know, because of his stature at 5'10", and let's just say 204 pounds, which is what he weighed in at, right? Um, The entire conversation seems to be what he did at the college level is not going to work at the NFL level in terms of the creativity, in terms of the playmaking, even though he was stellar at that in college football. The other part of that conversation, because I think you can't talk about Bryce Young and not discuss these other quarterbacks. Let's just bring up C.J. Stroud since throughout this process, he's been linked to quarterback two, and maybe we'll get into that a little bit. What he was bad at at the college level was dealing with disruption and pressure and creativity outside of that. But because of his size, there's optimism on top of that Georgia game and the Northwestern game that he can be better at it. So it's almost... People are assuming that what Bryce is the king of is not going to work. Whereas Mm -hmm. CJ Stroud, it's like, oh, he just has to get better in this one area. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
the yeah, conversation of, of connecting the People two. People moving the goalposts. They're just, exactly. they're just trying to make, you know, it, it feels like it just comes back to the size. If you can't get past the size, you're going to find reasons to not believe that he can thrive despite his lack of stature. Exactly. Uh, Bryce is such an... While the playmaking and creativity is number one that stands out for him, I also believe that people need to go back and watch this year's Alabama team and realize the miscommunications, the disruption, the offensive line was so much worse than what we are used to of previous Alabama teams. And he didn't have the dudes he was has been throwing to in previous years as well. And just his ability to read pre-snap and post-snap and get the ball when the structure of the play is good is also stellar. On top of that. So it's almost, hey, we get him in structure. We get him outside of structure. What else mm-hmm. more could you want other than him being six foot two? Yeah. And he's, and he's not going to get any taller. You know, there's nothing he can do about right. that. But, he, but he's been successful in spite of that at every level. Um, I'm a believer. If for no other reason that his favorite movie is paid in full. That sold me. If I was skeptical, once he told me his favorite movie is paid in full and started <laughs> quoting it, I'm like, this guy has got all the intangibles you could ask for. Um, but you mentioned C.J. Stroud. I want to get to him, and we'll go through all these quarterbacks and a lot more. Sweet. Um, how does C.J. Stroud go from, once the Panthers moved up to one, the guy that was the perfect fit for Frank Reich, he's only worked with quarterbacks of a certain height and a certain build, and he's the cleanest. He's the guy with the fewest amount of questions, and he, he aced the test that was that Georgia defense. And all of a sudden, whether it's the S2 or, or, or any other reason, it's like now all of a yeah. sudden C.J. Stroud may be uh, you know, the last quarterback in the, in the green room. Uh, you know, let, let the rumor mill tell it. How did, how did we get here with C.J. Stroud? It's a great question. Not to pat our channel and our show on the back a little bit here. Oh, like, please, plug it. I, I kind of think that me doing episodes with Josh McCown all season long and then in January, him sitting down and evaluating these, at the time, top three quarterbacks. We didn't get to Quint, uh, excuse me, we didn't get to Anthony Richardson. Um, he, the most animated I saw him was mm-hmm. his breakdown of C.J. Stroud against Georgia. And that led me to believe as soon as Josh got hired as the Panthers quarterbacks coach, that if he was to list a board, it would be C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, one and two, and it wouldn't be Will Levis even close to that, right? Um So maybe with these early markets and early movers, C.J. Stroud, that is the reason why he was listed as quarterback one. But I think his on-play, his on-field play absolutely warrants that in terms of, and you've watched this, Michael, in terms of his ability and placement at all three levels of the field and like at each quarter of the field too, is, is simply stunning, you know? And I can't answer to what you are of why this process is different. I think why it might be different is maybe the Texans for a multitude of reasons are out on him. And that's why we're not getting the pick one and pick two of quarterbacks. Cause if that was the case and let's say when the Panthers were considering and, and making offers for the trade during the combine for picks one and two, that was with it in mind of, Hey, it's Bryce young or CJ Stroud. And we'll just let the process mm-hmm. play itself out. But it wouldn't be shocking at all to me if we get Bryce at one, Texans don't take a quarterback at two and then we get to pick number three and like the Las Vegas Raiders or another team trade up to him at that spot. And it kind of quiets what this weird yeah. last couple weeks has been for CJ Stroud and like the public perception of it. Speaking of weird. Okay. Uh, the Texans, it seems like it's trending toward not taking a quarterback. Um, and, and obviously you take everything or most things other than your mocks with a grain of salt this time of year, but Seems like they're going to go defensive player at two. 
But Will Levis is still the betting favorite at two. And I bring up betting. Yeah. And I know as of this morning, you had 41 draft bets down. I don't know if you got a few more in before you, you join me. You Michael. Many, well, well, I, well, not as much as you, but I tried to. But really, what is going on? Because like you follow this stuff a lot closer than I do from this standpoint. What is right. going on in the betting community? Because I saw where Levis moved from 50 to 1 to 20 to 1 to go one overall at points bet. And then DraftKings took down the first, second, and third market. What, what's, ha- what's happening here? Explain this to me, so, please. This is a great question because I s- often believe that people associate with lines with the intel that Vegas or these sport- sports books have. And yeah. in terms of draft odds, that is not the case. The people who have the information, they believe, are the ones that are making the bets. And then the money down on those lines is what then moves future lines. Does that make sense? So it's not like Vegas yes. has a a uh, phone connect inside of 31 draft <laughs> right. rooms out there. Right. And they're the I ones mean, that Because you know, like, you know people it. out there get suspended for gambling left and right. So it's like. <laughs> right, right, right. right. <laughs> but, but the people who believe they have the information are the ones that are putting down the money. And then that money getting put down on things is the stuff that is moving the lines. Does that make sense? Because I feel like that the it, yes, again the perception of it of of hey Vegas is the one that has the information that that's totally out of whack. That to, is totally out of whack. Mm-hmm. So again, to your point, Levis being the quote unquote betting favorite at number two from my seat. It's people believing they have great information, whether from someone in a source for the Texans or someone like Lance Zerline, who does great work and has connected the dots of Levis to the Texans. But that's not at number two. That's at number 12, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and just the assumption that maybe the owners step in and say, hey, we have to have a quarterback. And Levis is ranked as quarterback two on their board behind Bryce Young. Mm -hmm. And I think it's more dot connecting than anything locked in. I'm of the belief and I would love to hear your thoughts here. Um, I'm of the belief that they are not going to take Will Levis as the number two overall pick in this draft. Yeah, it, I don't think so either, but I think they got to come out of this first round with a quarterback some way, somehow. And I would love to see Houston. I, I'll tell you what I think they should do more than what yeah. they will do. I'll leave that to you. But in terms of what they should do, if I were Houston, I wouldn't stand back and watch because everybody in the AFC South wants what Jacksonville has. And I think the AFC South to me is the story of the first round of the draft. When you talk about Houston at two, Indy at four for now, uh, Tennessee uh, at 11 and Houston again at 12. Yeah. Um, they got a, an opportunity to really infuse a level of interest in that division that for the most part hasn't existed over the years. Um, it's probably the, the most respectfully, if you can be this in the NFL, most irrelevant division in the NFL. Um, and it has been over the, over, over the course of some time now. Where So if I'm the Texans, I'm not letting – I get Tyree Wilson, Tyree Wilson has special traits. Uh, I, I, Will Anderson was dominant at Alabama. I know the, the Alabama connection with D'Amico Ryan, oh, whatever yeah. that's worth. But I wouldn't let the Colts or, for that matter, the Titans, if they decide to be aggressive, I wouldn't let either one of those teams have their pick of these quarterbacks. Uh, I know history tells us that all these quarterbacks will not work out. That's just the unfortunate truth. But I actually like I, – I really like three of them. And I, I, I like Levis, too. I would not be in the business of settling if I were the Houston Texans. And I think you can get an edge rusher at 12, maybe move up from 12 if that's possible. I know it's easier said than done. Address pass rush in other ways. I get Nick Bosa was D'Amico Ryan's bread and butter. 
But I'd love to see them go the aforementioned C.J. Stroud at two. If not, swing for the fences and go Anthony Richardson. So because I was coming on this show, I spent all day in the phones yesterday, Michael. I'm not going to tell you that like I have the best connections in terms of every insider out there. But some comments that I've heard recently is that in that building, they have in recent weeks opened up to the idea of playing Davis Mills for another season, a bit more than like the pre off season script indicated. And maybe that's because, I mean, I think it comes down to this. They wanted the number one overall pick and the Panthers had to deal away DJ Moore in order to secure Mm -hmm. that number one overall pick. And if not, it would have been, you know, the bears moving to number two, then trading with the Panthers from two to what? nine right so nine, yep um i i totally get where you're coming from where they have to escape this out of a court with a quarterback and i am almost of the opinion that it is more likely that they move up from pick number 12 to where the arizona mm-hmm. cardinals are at number three mm-hmm. and get those two and three spots and have it I back love to it back. love then, it then then just sitting there at Will Levis and then okay. and taking him at number two and then uh, finding whatever defensive piece that is a much lower grade on their board than Tyree Wilson and Will Anderson at number 12. That makes sense. Now, that makes sense. And that's always what you got to account for is, you know, movement. I mean, we're looking at it, how it's structured right now and projecting based on the current order. That's that's what's going to be. So although I think you pointed this out on Twitter there haven't been many trades into the top 10 in recent years. My gosh, your homework, A+. I'm a fan. I mean, I'm a fan. <laughs> what can I say? I'm familiar with your work. I'm a fan. <laughs> okay, so just to lay this out for you, and this is once the draft started. Obviously, there have been trades in the past, whether sure. it was right. I mean, we know, just San Francisco saw moving one. up. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. or San Francisco moving yeah. up to three. Or even a couple of years yeah. ago, I believe that we saw the Miami Dolphins get up to what? That area where they could draft for, for Jalen Waddle. Waddle. Yeah, exactly. Yep. exactly. And that was pre-draft, which is a weird trade when you think about it, but totally worked out for them. Anyways, yeah. to, to go to the point you're saying, once the draft started, in 2022, there were zero trades inside the top 10. In 2021, there was one trade inside the top 10, and that was the Eagles jumping from 12 to 10 to get Devontae Smith. 2020, mm-hmm. again, zero trades inside the top 10. And 2019, one trade inside the top 10, and that was the Steelers jumping from 20 to 10 to get Devin Bush. So if there is a top 10 trade, it is going to be most likely at the end of the top 10. However, mm-hmm. Michael, the Cardinals are desperate to get out of yeah. number three. Yeah. And that is yeah. going to be a pennies on the dollar. If I'm using that phrase take a correctly, lesser deal. Yeah, you to are. take a yeah. much lesser deal to move out than typically where it would be in those top five, top seven, top eight spots. Yeah. They need, they need volume. They desperately need volume. So Houston, Picking back-to-back at two and three, I re- I like that a lot better than Houston going defense and settling at 12. Although, look, we'll, who knows? I love hitting Hooker. So if they, I've seen Hooker projected yeah. to him at 12. And if they ended up with Hooker, I wouldn't mind that as much. So um, we'll see what they do. You touched on the Cardinals. I want to get to Anthony Richardson, uh, my favorite prospect in this draft, just because of how polarizing he's been. I love the I way it. you put it with Richardson, that he's less raw and more inexperience. Could you say more about that, please? So he only has 400 and something, obviously, dropbacks during his career. It might be less than that if I can just bring up the, the numbers here. But, like, what, 
a dozen plus starts he's had. And when you go back and watch his games this year, like week two was Kentucky about midseason was LSU. And he might make some mistakes early in those games where he might have like a middle of the field throw in zone coverage that he needs to, he needs to layer over the linebackers and in, in front of the safeties. And instead of doing that, he'll run for seven yards or he'll not recognize a cornerback blitz, but then turn around, you know, in the, second in in the second half or in the third quarter and then start hitting that middle of the field throw or make them pay for a blitz that they show pre-snap and hit it for a big play and to Mm. me you just kind of see the the downloading the processing and the learning in game it's not week to week Mm. it's not season on season Mm. it's like series to series it's quarter on quarter and i i know some people might say that's semantics but I truly feel there is a difference between raw and inexperienced when you see him learning from past opportunities on the field and then hitting them the immediate next time when Florida rolls back on that same concept. I listen, I, I, I think there's a, a strong re I, I know it seems like it's going to be Bryce young and I love Bryce young. Um, like I said, I love me more after talking to him, Anthony Richardson to me, especially with the, the, the incubator that the Carolina Panthers have constructed for whatever yeah, quarterback they take when it comes, including the aforementioned, your man, Josh McCown, um, Anthony Richardson, I, I, and this, it's easy for me to say, cause I'm sitting here. It's, my job's not on the line. You know, I'm swinging for the fences and going with a guy who could revolutionize the quarterback position. And that's saying something given that they had the previous mole breaker in Cam Newton I totally. mean, Anthony Richardson to me, and then and, and getting to know him and talking to him and learning about his story, he was literally trained to put out fires. He, was a, he, he, was, he studied to be a firefighter in high school. I mean, I just, I love his makeup and what you just spoke to, Josh, about his ability to learn and improve, not just throughout his, his, his long season as a starter at Florida, but, but within games, let alone yes. game to game. I, I think, why not Anthony Richardson at one? In another year? It would be Anthony Richardson at one. I firmly believe that. Uh, there's a couple of things I want to hit on with what you just said, but I'll, I'll stop at each point. To your point sure. about his background, this isn't a, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, a Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud situation where it was going to quarterback camps at a young age. No. And so I think yeah. that that's where the inexperience can come from versus the Elite mm-hmm. 11s from right. you know working with with private quarterback coaches because that yeah. that is yeah. such a big difference now with these quarterbacks than it was 20 years ago with these quarterback mm-hmm. prospects you know so i right. i think we understand why he is inexperienced at this period yeah you know yeah um yeah. to your point on the perfect situation for him i was going to save this for my show later on in our channel i will deliver it to you right now just some dot connecting Ooh. we can do okay all right so There is a member of the Detroit Lions front office that has become a bit more integral and ingrained to them in the last year or so, and that is John Dorsey. Obviously, many people know John Dorsey from being the Browns general manager. Yes, Um, yes. It was kind of, you know how when head coaches get hired for the first time and then they hire like former head coaches on their staff to like guide them a little bit? It was kind of that way with Mm -hmm. Brad Holmes, who... I worked with for just a little bit in the St. Louis Rams. I love Brad. That's my dude. Right Brad, Brad is such yeah. a good guy, by the way. Yeah. Lions fans yeah. are uh, ecstatic to have him, and they should be. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. so if we can, again, do some dot connecting. John Dorsey and his last season in Kansas City, what happened? 
they made the move for Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes to mm-hmm. sit him one year in what mm-hmm. they knew was going to be Alex Smith's final year on the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, mm-hmm. We even heard from Jared Goff himself that the team in the Lions and Brad Holmes has rebuffed any contract extension talks in order to have flexibility in that contract. A contract right now that after this year has zero guaranteed money attached to it. They would say basically 29 of $32 million, okay? So if we talk about the right time to make a big move for the future of your franchise for a team that is drafting in the top six, not by their right. own accord. As a, as a bonus. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and when you're good enough, and favorites in your division right now to never, yeah. in your eyes, draft again in the top 10, now yeah. is the time to make a move when you don't even yeah. have to play Anthony Richardson that first season. Right. I love that line of thinking. I'll, I'll give you one thing, though. You might not even yeah, get to six. Because, I that. mean, if, if you're John Schneider in Seattle, this is foreign territory for you. And if, and you, if you have no designs on being up here again, and when you're up here – whether you're up here by your own accord, because you're because usually when teams are up here, Arizona's you know the exception. Usually when you're up this high, it's because you need a quarterback. That's why it's probably why you're typically so bad. And so if you're this bad, you need a quarterback. Obviously, that's your that's job one. If you're up here because you're Seattle or, or Detroit and you made brilliant it's trades, time to take a swing uh, with well, just because we'll, we'll get to Aaron Rodgers in a second, or you just mentioned Kansas City. That's the way to do it. It's like if I go to the yep. grocery store, Josh. I'm not going to the grocery store. I'm I'm buying milk whether I need it or not. I'm buying bread whether I need whether I'm out or not because I'm going yeah. to need it. It's like if you got a quarterback you like, get him. So you when it's time that when you need him, he's already ready. That's why the Packers have done this right twice already, and we'll see if they do it a second, a third time uh, with Josh Love. So I love Richardson landing in Detroit or Seattle for that matter. But I love what you what you alluded to just now with your dot connecting. You're so good at that. Um. And drawing these connections between front office members or, or, or members of the coaching staff and players. What are some of your favorites uh, from this class where when, you, oh, when you're mocking a player to a certain place, you're like, oh, okay, this guy's here. This is wide receiver coach. Or this is his, this guy was in this front <laughs> office. Like, what are some of your favorite connections? Yeah, let, let's talk about one of those. So obviously the Los Angeles Chargers need pass catcher help. That could be at wide receiver. That can be at tight end. But in the 20s, that can be difficult, right? Because right now they're picking mm-hmm. at 21 to know exactly who's going to be on the board. Um, Jordan Addison was committed to Maryland. Maryland's wide receivers coach then moved on to Pitt. So obviously Jordan Addison follows him to Pitt. And then that wide receiver coach goes on and becomes prior to, I believe, last season. It might have been even earlier than that, but last season to be the wide receiver coach for the Los Angeles Chargers. And then we see, obviously, Jordan Addison transfer over to USC for his final year. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. uh, I have been told that, but one, this is just a small receiver class. You know this, Mike. Where Yeah, everybody's everybody's little. They're they're all mighty mice, right? And um, so teams are going to have to change their parameters versus the 195 to 225-pound wide receivers that they've had in their past. But you can easily see a team, especially the Chargers, with the connections that they have to expand those thresholds to someone like Jordan Mm. Addison. So that is one, Mm. right? And it Mm. certainly fits a need. Um, yeah. The other one, and I can't remember where where I read this, but the Steelers and their outside cornerbacks are a major need. Um, 
Deontay Banks yes. was in the same yes. exact draft and recruiting class, I should say, as Dino yeah. Tomlin, who is obviously right. Mike Tomlin's son. Um, and so it wouldn't be shocking at all if because everybody's going Joey Porter Jr. Everybody's using yeah. that connection, you know, thinking that, that an ex dealer, you know, grade his son. It's another guy's son that might be that might be the connection to look out for. And and to be honest with you, I I, I do try to look at at past processes for all these teams. It helps when you know it's the same decision makers for three to five to ten years. We don't mm-hmm. get it that often in in the NFL, but. The Steelers are one of these teams um, who really like to have complete visits where their head coach, acting general manager, goes and either has the player in for a visit and uh, travels to their pro day. I think in the last 11 years, the Steelers have not spent a first-round pick on a player where Mike Tomlin and or the acting GM has not attended their pro day, which is very interesting. Um, To the other side of that coin, that got me in trouble last season where you look at Ron Rivera and Marty Herney have not attend or have attended every single first round picks pro day dating back to their time together at the Carolina Panthers. They attended Ohio state with wide receivers. So I assumed it was going to be Chris Olave. And then they just took Jahan Dotson. Out of nowhere. So sometimes this process can come back to bite you, but I think that there are little breadcrumbs that we hear because it doesn't just end at the draft for me, Mike, I go back and watch all of these post-draft press conferences as well, because these these coaches and GMs are elated and are the most honest they'll ever be all season long. And they kind of give you a peek in the keyhole or pull back the curtain a little bit on like why they liked a guy or when they fell in love or if he was a complete process, you can kind of pick up buzzwords as well. And so for a bunch of these longstanding general managers and, and head coaches, you kind of get a f- better read on their process after the draft than you do before the draft. And you can use that for the next year. I am loving you dropping little nuggets. Now, be careful not to give away too many trade secrets, I mean, but <laughs> dropping little nuggets about your process. How did you arrive at your methodology for mocking? Um, I've just, yeah, I've just been obsessed with the NFL draft since a young age, probably like you, you know, and it wasn't yeah, just the NFL draft at the time. It was the NBA draft. I mean, I remember when there was Saturdays and Sundays and, my yeah. elementary school had like this um this like activity fair on the same day and i just skipped it and sat inside and remember the panthers i grew up in, in charlotte uh the panthers yeah. taking chris winky and being like oh man this is great um yeah but <laughs> it, i mean it, it starts all the way when the panthers came to charlotte when i was seven in in 1995 and then i just became obsessed with the draft for this same reason it might be the same thing that that you did and it's because it's like the one weekend the one week where a team's future is like drastically changed, you know, and just trying to pick up on exactly. And, and things that a player did well in college, if they work at the NFL level and like if strengths can turn or weaknesses can turn to strengths, the strengths can get stronger, all of that. So it it almost started for me as like trying to be a scout and evaluating Mm -hmm. obviously players as individuals. And again, where they succeeded and obviously the mock drafting kind of just took a turn and uh, has worked out in that department as well. But it, it really is just trying to find people like me who were obsessed with a single team for a very long time. Because sometimes I feel like the fans that are fanatic about a team for a decade plus have a better read and gauge of what that team is going to do than someone in the national media or an insider. Let's put it that way. 
your fans would hate me for even asking this question. I'm sure you get asked all the time. And you're doing such great work uh, with Underdog Fantasy. Any any desire to get back into a front office, to get back into an organization as you once were with the Rams? Well, okay. Uh, let me explain what the Rams thing is because I, I rarely talk about it. Um, it was – I had a cup of coffee with them, basically. It, I, hey, I was, that's more than most of us, Josh. <laughs> I mean, you I know. Was, I, I was a scouting intern heading into the 20, 2010 season, and that was um, yep. Sam Bradford's rookie year, okay? Mm-hmm. And then I was fortunate enough to uh, work in their scouting department for the uh, NFL draft in 2011. So that was the lockout year, if you remember. And that was mm-hmm. the Cam Newton, Von Miller, J.J. Mm-hmm, Watt, mm-hmm. out on Smith. And that was also the first year that it was like three different nights. And it was hectic, and I learned a ton, and we can get into a few of those stories. Um, but I would also add that doing that is what allowed me to get this job in media because mm-hmm. I was a bit of a rat. I'll tell you, I was, at the time, my buddy Evan Silva, um, just tweeting with him and and sharing some messages back and forth. I like went into the Rams bathroom, sat on the floor, and texted potential uh, draft picks that they could have at number, what, 14 overall when it ended up being Robert Quinn just to like have an in yeah. with a guy in the media who eventually gave me my job, my first job okay. at uh, NBC okay. Sports. So it's kind of like this whole okay. roundabout era. To answer your question, no. I am perfectly happy with uh, what I'm doing now. I'm totally no happy with you're doing just, it. And you're just so good at it. That's what I meant more than anything. Not that you were, not that you aren't happy because you, clearly you are because of the, the passion that you bring to it. Um, there's one more player I want to hit with you. Yeah. Um, I, listen, I get B. John Robinson's a second coming. And beyond that, he seems like a great kid. Seems like a great kid. And I think back to 2007. The Vikings didn't need Adrian Peterson. They had just signed Chester Taylor from Baltimore. And they ended up getting a Hall of Famer. Yep. Um, I'm bothered. I'm honestly bothered. That's the word I'm going to use. By the the mocking of B. John Robinson to the Falcons. Because Tyler Algier, by so many metrics, was outstanding last year. Especially toward the end of the draft. Uh, End of the season, I beg your pardon. You, if you, if you, what's the purpose of drafting a running back late? Having that running back hit for a thousand yards on almost five yards a carry at twenty, yeah. now twenty three years old, and then go and spend yet another top ten pick on a skill position guy, even if he's generational, it just doesn't make a lot of practical sense to me. As great as Bijan Robinson you know, projects to be, yeah. you ha- you're, you can find running backs late, not be John Robinson's, but you found a running back. That's the point of, of drafting running backs late is to get a Tyler Algier. Are you it, buying I, the Bijan to, to, to the Falcons hype? It's, it's a great question. There's a couple points I make. The first one is this draft might be different than others where Bijan's talent grade is so much higher than the next closest player on the board that teams I think this year are going to look at it and say, Hey, we, we can't just whiff in round one. And like, there's a chance that we might, if we take one of these pillar position guys 
that is a full half point grade lower than what Bijan is, but that might happen in the teens. You know, that shouldn't happen in the top 10, like what you're saying. Yeah. The other side of that, and I'm not the only one that has heard this, uh, Bijan's grade apparently with the Falcons is astronomical. Okay. Mm. Um, that, that is through the phone line. What I heard yesterday, uh, okay. one other point. I don't know if, and I understand Kyle Pitts, if I can use this term of adoration, uh, counts because he's an alien, but yeah. they also took a tight end the earliest of anyone sure. has ever taken a tight end ever. So we're in year three of Arthur Smith. I can't tell you exactly what an Arthur Smith offense is because it was different with Matt Ryan than different with yeah. Marcus Mariota and different yeah. with Desmond Ritter once he came in. And so if he feels like, okay, this trio of Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and Bijan is good enough for me to keep my job in year three, which we are right now with Arthur Smith, it might be worth doing for him. I wouldn't do it, but it might be worth doing for him. And they want to run the ball a lot, and and, and Tyler Algier can't carry them all, and and not to mention what Bijan could do in the passing game. All right, full disclosure, full transparency. I, I traded for Tyler Algier this offseason in Dynasty, so I'm a little pissed. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> should I should I should I be should I try to move Tyler Algier in the next couple of days? A little Dynasty advice, no. real quick. Should I try to move him? No, I, I I I think you waited out. I mean, unless you want to sell high and someone's willing to 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 take. But him they off know your why hands. I'm selling. But they know, know. why I'm selling. I, I don't think I can I sell high at this point. It's no, too late, I, maybe. I, I, I think you're in a good spot with him because look, I mean, think of how difficult it is to nail exactly what a team is going to do, you know? And if, yeah. if they don't take Bijan, then Algier is perfectly set up. Oh, I'm sitting pretty. They've yeah. brought, you're sitting pretty. So, no, I, I, I wouldn't yeah. change a thing. You're doing wonderfully, Michael. Yeah, thank you. Uh, sp- speaking of sitting pretty, last thing I got for you, most important thing I got for you, and I appreciate your time, Josh. Um, you are somebody's number one overall pick. You are somebody's franchise player. Uh, oh, you are about to going. tie the knot. Um, June 3rd. And what I respect about that date, see, what you don't know about me is my oldest two kids oh. are both born in May. That's not accidental, Josh. Okay. <laughs> We've talked about That's this. not accidental. <laughs> that is not accidental. So I oh, appreciate man. that you set this. I mean, I know June is a popular month for weddings anyway, but June 3rd. So I, I guess I wonder... Uh, what kind of uh, of groom are you? What kind of because have you even been able to be like, hey, hey what what color? Whatever, I don't care. Uh, what should we serve? Um, chicken? I don't know. Like like, oh. are you even present for the wedding planning process? Given how invested you are in this process, she has done a wonderful job. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I I, yeah. I, I could have been a uh, much more. She knows who she's marrying. <laughs> You know what's funny about this, and not to bring it all the way back to where we started, but when I broke that record in 2021 for the mock draft, I yeah. thought it was like a huge deal, you know? And it she is. was like, well, did you did, did you win anything? Because, you know, I work for Underdog, <laughs> right? I, I, I work for Underdog where we literally gave away $2 million to a first-place winner of fantasy football last year, another yeah. million dollars the year before. We're going to do way more than that this year. And so she knows that, like, people who play – our little games as she calls them win millions of dollars. And so when I did the best ever in something, she asked what I won and I told her a big fat zero. So I think you're right where yesterday when I was on the phone for like five hours and she was sitting about 15 feet away from me, I just get a text halfway through being like, 
this is male gossip, what you are doing. This is male gossip. <laughs> and and to, to answer your question about the wedding, uh, I'm very much looking forward to catching up with a lot of uh, fifth and sixth reminder emails that might just be sitting unread uh, in my inbox at this moment in the month of May. I still have three weeks to make up for it, you know? You And I'm sure, and I'm sure you will. Uh, you outkick your coverage, I'm sure. Uh, she sounds lovely, uh, at least keeping you humble. But listen, uh, next time she asks you, what did you win for the greatest mock draft of all time? Tell her universal her. respect. Okay. Universal <laughs> respect. Something you cannot put a price tag on. Uh, people, if you haven't already, subscribe to Underdog Fantasy's YouTube channel. It is priceless. Josh Norris, appreciate you, man. Uh, give a, give a, a hello to Hayden for me and the rest of the team over at Underdog. Uh, I cannot wait to talk to you again, man. I can't wait to see your final mock draft uh, Wednesday at midnight and uh, whether you break your own record. Brother, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, we got to do this again. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Let's definitely do it again. All right, man. Take care. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. As I said, I can't think of a better week for me to launch this new podcast. And I certainly can't think of a better person uh, to have on the first episode, then my main man, Charles Robinson from Yahoo Sports. Charles and I go way back. Um, <laughs> I'm talking like early 2000s, press boxes. Were you, at, you were in Orlando at the time. I was at the Boston Globe. We're the old heads. Cover, we're covering the NFL, <laughs> hanging out at the Combine, hanging out at the Senior Bowl. Um, grew up in this game together. And, and I've said this to him privately, and I've, so I'm not embarrassing him publicly. Uh, there is nobody better when it comes to covering the National Football League. There's nobody more connected, nobody more respected. Um, and so thank, and I feel great having you on today because of our relationship, but also, dude, it's like nobody's been more on top of these Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay, uh, New York negotiations than you have. Um, and you've kept me up to speed on everything and everybody, all your readers and followers up to speed on everything, every step of the way. So with that said, Chuck, how did it finally go down? Um, it was interesting. So, you know, these negotiations, they went on for a long time. Like these, And first off, let me say, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited about this. 
like you said, we've been together for the longest. Um, I know you have my man Josh Norris on today. Um, everything about about this show has me so excited, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad to get with you. I'm glad to get with you today. Thank God this is finally over with Aaron yeah. Rodgers. Um, it, this negotiation was crazy. I mean, it was. Uh, you go back really a week before he went on Pat McAfee show and talked about his intention to play for the Jets. Um, it stretches back all the way to then. And you had exchanges early on that if you looked at it now, you'd be like, damn, I'm surprised they even got to a deal. Okay. Mm. Because early on in the beginning, you know, I think the Packers are sitting there looking at the Matt Stafford deal and saying, well, that's kind of the deal we want. We want a deal like that. We want a couple firsts. You know, we want, we just want this bounty for Aaron Rodgers. And the Jets were like, no, we're not even, <laughs> we're not starting there. Like, that's a crazy, <laughs> that is a crazy starting spot for a guy who's, you know, going to be 39. He's, he's going to play yeah. in 2023 at 39. Um, so, even from the outset, if you had listened into the calls at the beginning, you would have thought they're not getting this done. There's just no way. Mm-hmm. It's insane because I think when the Jets came out of the gate, what they offered was insane. It was just like both sides were trying to absolutely obliterate the other one at the table, and you know, Is it like, like one of those see- fantasy trade offers that yes. you're like, wait, are yeah. you just like, yes. you just hoping I make a mistake and press accept? Is absolutely. that what this is? Yeah, it's insulting. Absolutely. It's oh, it's okay. the it's it was the offer where you're like what the fuck like the first like <laughs> like, like your first reaction Wait, do you like do you not know that I follow football like right. what, what do you think this is <laughs> right. you know, you, like if 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 I was like I mean it, the Packers I would and I saw the Jets first offer and I'm not going to get into exactly what it was I mean it was bad enough that I don't even want to say precisely what it was but the Packers probably first inclination when they saw the Jets offer was like. You know he's not dead, right? Like you, you're not acquiring him to me, bury okay. him. No, listen, it's, <laughs> like, it's just it's just me and you, Chuck. Ain't nobody listening. It's just me and you. We family. You know, yeah, we're in the trust yeah. tree. We're in the nests. Just at least give me an idea. You can't tease me it like was, that and say it was bad. I mean, what was it? Okay, what, what, around what it was. It was well outside of two second rounders, which is and so basically the deal that we got, the meat of this deal now is the Packers getting the second rounder from the Jets in this year's draft. They're getting a second rounder next year. That's going to graduate into a first rounder mm-hmm. when it, when he plays 65% of his snaps. Right. And then there's a bunch right. of little accoutrement like uh, attached. Right. The pick swap, pick swap this year, the that sort of thing. Pick. Yeah. Fifth yeah. And right. Sixth. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just telling you the beginning you had, like I said, you had the Packers coming out and saying, we want something like the Matt Stafford deal, which is going to yeah. be like a couple firsts. We want a lot. Yeah. And then you yeah. had the, the Packers coming out and going, we're not even giving you two twos. Or I mean, oh, yeah, okay. then you had the Jets coming out and saying, we're not even giving you two twos on this, okay? Oh, so okay. if you want to start in like the the two threes neighborhood kind of situation, like oh, wow, it, okay. again, it, it was two sides that were just way, right. way far apart. And it's, it's, it's like it's like in the movie Draft Day, at least act like you called me. So the Jets were right. approaching like the Packers were trying <laughs> to give him away. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was it was... Uh, again, the I didn't hear about how it began until way later from each side. And had I heard it at the beginning, I, I flat out would have just said, I probably would have come on your show and I would have been like, yeah, it's never going to happen. Like they're just, mm-hmm. it's atrocious how far apart they are. So that's where you begin, right? Which is not uncommon in NFL trades. Each side's trying to mollywop the other. And then, you know, things continue. You move on. 
things get said publicly. Aaron Rodgers goes out and says what he says. Um, you know, I, I think when they got to the point before he went on the Pat McAfee show, and I've said this before, um, I am I'm very confident at that time that there was a third and a first that was going to be on the table from the Jets side. Okay. And they had worked really hard to really ultimately get to that point. And then Pat, you know, the Pat McAfee show, uh, Rogers goes out and says this thing about I was 90% retired. And that threw a wrench in this whole thing, especially from the perspective of owner Woody Johnson. Like he was like, man, I don't like what, wait a minute. This is the first time we're hearing. He thought he was 90% retired. And by the way, the jets weren't alone. When I talked to the Packers, they were like, that was the first time we heard that. Like we never heard him <laughs> say that until he said, it. so both sides were hearing this piece of information. It was new. And so, you know, it kind of threw a wrench into talks because, you know, you have Woody Johnson, he's sitting there going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's hit the brakes on this. Are we getting this guy for two years? Like, cause it feels like we might not get him for two years. It just complicated things in the middle. I think it, it elongated the whole process and it put the jets into a position where, because of how the owner felt, you want to play some defense here and make sure there's some element of protection um, when it comes to, feeling at least from Rodgers, he's going to play two years and then protecting that 2024 um, draft asset in some way, shape or form. I think it ultimately, let's say like the last, um, they really started talking about a week before the, the deal got done. They started talking again before that though, mm-hmm. there was debt. There was this a dead period and it was basically yeah. the, that's what I was saying, telling you to go ahead and mediate this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was that was straight up. That was the Packers saying, "Here's where we're at. We got to have your first round pick in 2024." Straight up, the Jets were. This was like really the hanging point they had gotten to. Um, they had talked about you know a give back protection and all this other stuff, but it really boiled down to this: this the the wall was we need your 2024 first straight up. The Jets were like, "We ain't doing that," and the Packers were like balls in your court, and the Jets are like, "All right, we just ain't calling you back." And that was it. And and it literally sat dead because the Jets were like, we're just not calling them back. We're not going to call these guys back because we're not giving up a straight first. It's a non-starter. It's not going to happen. And so that dead silence, both sides, it was funny because when you talk to both sides, everybody believed the same thing. This is really going to start to pick up again when it's a week before the draft. Because the Mm -hmm. Packers knew they wanted a draft asset this year. They wanted one of those seconds this year to work with. Mm -hmm. Um, And the pick swap, yeah. And the the pick swap. Although the pick swap, again, that was something that had been discussed in different iterations of the deal. All kinds of different, like, things had been discussed up until this point. Um, And, and, you know, the Jets were like... Right. And the Jets are sitting there staring at the Packers and going, we know they want an asset this year. We know we're going to re-engage on this thing. So they ended up re-engaging late last week. And basically it was like, look, in principle, we're really close. What are the little extras we can start to kind of work and massage into this deal in terms of protections, in terms of assets? That'll just get this done. Let's get it done. And the pick swap became part of that. That was part of what really helped push this through was the Packers being able to get to 13, the Jets being able to get to 15. And, and here's a little thing I'll tell you here. As far as the Jets are concerned, and maybe this will make Jets fans feel a little bit better, if you looked at the Jets draft board, mm-hmm. the way their grades stack up this year, and it's like this for a lot of teams, the mm-hmm. shelf 
you've got, you know, I'm not saying specifically the Jets, but the shelf is somewhere inside the top, you know, two or three. Then, the, then it goes out to the next, you know, six or seven players. Then there's this huge swath of players that are all graded similarly. In other words, picking at 13 versus 15 is not yeah. going to be a difference for the Jets. Okay. Right. right. Well, they didn't right. feel like it was a huge But if it makes you that. feel better, sure. But if here makes, you go. Right. <laughs> right. If it makes you yeah. feel better, fine. We'll do the pick swap. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in the Jets' mind, and, and I know Jets fans are pissed off about this. They're sitting there going, all he's got to do is play 65% of yeah, the Yeah, that's snap. a low threshold. It, it, I was about to say, in that effect, they, yeah. they, they say we're not giving you a straight first. It's got to be a disaster for him not to play 65%, right. right? Yes, but that's exactly the point, Mike, is that the Jets are sitting there going, for, for him to play 65% of the snaps and us not to be in great shape, something like multiple other things must have happened on our team. Like we think if Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of snaps for us, he's likely playing a hundred percent of the snaps for us, especially when you right. look at his and that's career. a late first round pick now. And and <laughs> yeah. we're going to be doing well, right. We're going to be doing yeah. well. And yeah, you know, so Jets fans just got to get over in their mind that for the Jets, they look at this as being a, a, a change. When they looked at the season, they're like, look, October 23rd, we beat the Broncos. We start five and two, but we lose Brees Hall. We lose mm-hmm. Elijah Vera Tucker. Okay. And mm-hmm. everything changes for us. If you look the next week, look at how many passes Zach Wilson throws. It's like in the forties. Like I think he threw like 41 or so. It was like crazy. And you could, you could tell they saw the shift. They were like, if we had had the right quarterback in the spot, somebody who was seasoned and could handle this, we could have mm-hmm. weathered that and potentially still made a playoff push. So they thought there's two ways we're looking at this. We just get the quarterback in here for the next two years who now has a massive chip on his shoulder. Okay. Aaron Rodgers is pissed. Okay. He is not happy about how any of this went down. He absolutely feels like he's got something to prove, which I think the Jets love. They're like, hey, that's that's a that's value we're getting here, right? Um Wait, can I and then, here? Because I don't want I don't yeah, want absolutely. to go too far past that. Don't right. don't lose your yeah. time, but I want to So is this just like, you know, a type A athlete manufacturing a boogeyman, you know, and I took that personally because it no. feels like for Rodgers, this is the best thing for him too. Both teams got what they wanted, but Rodgers should have wanted this as well, no? Given the state of the rosters. Yeah, I think it, he, yes. And I don't want to speak too much to his mindset. I don't talk to Aaron Rodgers directly, okay? So, um, and his circle is smaller now than it's ever been before. Um, now that said, I I feel like I am pretty confident I'd, you know, know, understand yeah. where he's approaching this from. And, yeah. um, you know, I think for Rodgers, look, there's an element of he did overall his career in Green Bay. You know, he enjoyed it there. You know, he had a lot of success in Green Bay. There's a ton of memories. He had friends there. Um, I get it. I understand why maybe you want to retire because you're like, okay, do do I really want to go somewhere else and, and start anew? Which even – Look, I know he's 39, but still a whole new franchise. There are some people there he's familiar with, Nathaniel Hackett and whatnot, you know, mm-hmm. Alan Lazard. But still, it's a big deal to just suddenly change yeah. um, at the yeah. end of your career like that versus just retiring and, you know, okay, I'm good. I had, I had a good career. I'm happy. Um, but I do think it's real that over the years, the last several years, I think he has not been comfortable with that front office for a long time. I think he is not like the way that they have interacted for a really long time. And I think like he has felt like contract aside, 
and most people won't accept this, but contract aside, there is an element of respect that you have in a working relationship. You can get paid a lot of money, but not, you know, still feel like people basically are looking at you like, we pay you a lot of money, shut up. Like, we hey. don't, we don't, <laughs> yeah. Preach. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we, we gonna, I we feel gonna, you. I mean, if you want to go down that road, we could go down yeah, that road. Yeah, I, I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he was just like, look, there's, there's more than just the money aspect of it. There is a respect aspect of it. It bothered him for a really long time, the way he felt like that organization treated players. I think if you go back to when they let go of Jordy Nelson, that's when it all started for Aaron Rodgers. He felt like they let go of Jordy Nelson without having a conversation with Aaron. And that was the first time he was like, whoa, like what? Like, wait a minute. We just, this is how we're going to do business now. Like you're not even going to, you're not even going to talk to me. Like this is one of my guys, one of my trusted players. And you're not even going to talk to me. You just made it about dollars and cents and it was cold and calculated. And that was it. I think that's where all this started. And then it snowballed from there. But anyway, aside from that, it is real. I think he does mm. feel like I still have a lot to offer. I think he's pissed yeah, you were off. saying the Jets, they're getting the guy with a oh, you were going through the Jets, you know, the benefits for them. They're getting the guy with a chip on his shoulder. That's what you were yeah. saying before I, I cut you off. Yeah, no. And and so I think for them, they're sitting there saying, We absolutely have someone who feels like he's got something to prove here, who they feel like when he walks into our building, there's gonna be a certain element where the change invigorates you, where it's mm-hmm. you're it's the the mystery of what now you're going through is a little exciting because it's new people, new places, a new level of yeah. respect. He has a really good thing going, I think, with um, the front office with the Jets because that was a lot of you know those meetings. I think he felt like, hey, I, I kind of vibe with Joe Douglas and these guys, which is going to be a big change for him. Um, and then I think for the Jets, there's it's really a two pronged play, and I know people are I not going to want to hear this. No, yeah, I loved it. Is, I read I read you right up this morning. Win now and yeah. grow now. That was I like that. That's exactly right. I think the Jets I don't know the Jets would ever admit this publicly, but I think if you were in that building, I know if you were in that building and you were having candid conversations with some people there, they would tell you, in hindsight, we probably should have given Zach Wilson a redshirt year. We should have not started Zach his freshman year. We should have not started Zach his his rookie year. And we should have built out the team, made sure, you know, like, look, just let's get him comfortable with what the offenses. Let's get him comfortable where he is at confidence-wise, everything, build out um, as much of the roster as we can. And then year two, we will we'll slide Zach into the starting spot. But give him that year for for an adjustment period because of a multitude of different factors, some of which was, how things were run at BYU. I mean, look, there's, it's not a one-for-one often between a lot of college programs in the NFL. So, plus, and, mm-hmm. the, and honestly, the spotlight of New York plays into mm-hmm. this. It's a different place there. People got to understand that. It's different. If you're a New York rookie, whether it's with the Giants or the Jets, I would say even more so the Jets, the intensity of that spotlight, the criticism, the microscope, it mm-hmm. is so different there than most anywhere in the NFL that you play. Yeah. That is real. And, and if you're a quarterback... I would just challenge you, go talk to every single former New York Jets rookie quarterback who started in year one, two, or three, or whatever, um, and they will tell you. I know he's damn near 40. I know he's damn near 40. We'll get back to Wilson in a second, but sidebar, is Rodgers really ready for it? Given, I mean, he's been a national figure, but he has been in Green Bay. Yeah. I I mean, is that, that that seems like an interesting conflict waiting to happen, the New York market with Rodgers? It's, It's different. 
I don't know that he even knows, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I think for Rogers, the way Rogers looks at it is I've been in lightning rod already, you know, and right. I've been, you know, I've been, we go through <laughs> all the COVID. Say already said. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Oh, come on, man. Like I've been like, you know, let's be honest. I've been a topic of conversation from green Bay of all places. I've been a national right. topic Nationally. of conversation yeah. for years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so to him, he's like, really, how much different could this be? I agree with that. However, um, I think the intensity of struggling in Green Bay, knowing the resume he had had and some of the capital he had banked versus the intensity of anything going wrong in New York, he has not earned any capital. All people process it through, particularly the fan bases. Oh, we just gave up capital to get this guy. Yeah. Um, is going to be a different kind of scrutiny. But I do think he is one of the few quarterbacks, if they were changing teams, that I believe is up to that kind of a challenge. I think Brady's the guy who would have been up to that kind of challenge. I think um, Rodgers is. Um, I think Peyton Manning's the kind of guy, like when he went to Denver, mm -hmm. he was going to be mm -hmm. up to that kind of challenge. Um, he's on that level mentally. So, mm -hmm. but you're right. It's going to be... It's going to be a movie day to day. It's going to be a it's movie. Be different day to no day. But back to yeah. Zach Wilson, though, you were you were talking about that, you know hindsight, BYU to New York, rookie quarterback, New yeah, York, so, so, that sort of thing. Yeah, and it, you know, I think the Jets would have sat a mere one if they could have. That didn't happen, obviously, right? Everything went wrong. Wheels fell off. I don't think the kid was ready for the scrutiny of of the backlash that was going to happen outside of the locker room and then somewhat in not somewhat then you know inside the locker room guys start to look at you like are you the guy and there's questions and it's just it's just different and yeah so but i think the jets are sitting there and they're saying look i don't think i know this the jets are sitting there going look the kid still has the tools okay hmm. it's, it isn't the things we liked about him have not changed since he's come out of BYU. Now, his confidence took a, an asteroid strike, okay? Like, he took a massive hit here. Um, what would it look like if he was able to step back for two years, reboot mentally, have mm -hmm. time to basically work on whatever he needs to work on, um, and not only that, be someone who can be in the room with Aaron Rodgers and watch how Aaron Rodgers works, watch how he communicates, Watch how he the expectations he brings to the table, how he prepares, um, come to understand how he influences and shapes the offense. They think that's nothing but a net positive. And, you know, look, let's be honest, Zach Wilson is not cheap. He carries a salary commensurate to being the number two pick in the draft, which is going to mm -hmm. go from like, I mean, he's going to make like, I think like 9 million, somewhere around like 9 million year two, 10 million, 11 million year three, or I mean, year 9 million year three. Uh, mm -hmm. 10, 11 million year four. Um, and then year five, you would have to kick in his uh, fifth year option. option. Yeah, yeah. If you want to keep him and then he, but, but I think the jets are sitting there going, look, we got the short term play, which we think we could potentially be a super bowl team, Leonard Rodgers. And then we have the long term back end play where if we can resurrect Zach Wilson, if we can build him back up and get him where we think again, it'll be the right time. For him to roll back out there this is going to be a massive win for our franchise like this is going to be like a turning point win for our franchise mm -hmm. both in the short term and long term and right. i will say one thing about this if if just fans understood roger's career in green bay if you went back and really looked at the beginning it did not go well for him early on behind brett Favre. Mm -hmm. okay 
right. from an injury standpoint, you know, um, from, I mean, just the play standpoint early on with Aaron Rodgers behind Brett Favre, there were questions about like, I don't know, this looks like a mistake. Like this looks like this is a guy that, that is not going to live up to being even this first round gamble. Right. Um, but it, as he got his feet under him as Aaron Rodgers, I think there was a physical change that occurred with him. He became a stronger player. Um, there were just a lot of things about being a professional quarterback in the NFL that he learned the first couple of years behind Favre. And then when he stepped in, he was ready. He was ready then. But I don't think he was yeah. ready until he actually stepped in. A year earlier would have been too soon. Two years yeah. earlier would have been way too soon. So yeah. it's I, – I, I, I understand it. I get it. And it might not work out with Zach, but I think, look, the play is smart. a smart play. It's very smart. No, I, I was told a long time ago, QB development isn't linear. Um, and yep. what's fascinating about this, and, I, and that's why I loved your write-up about it, because you couldn't – I was at the – this was a Thursday night game. I was at uh, Jaguars at Jets. Jaguars going on their run to make the playoffs. Jets are trying to hold on to making the playoffs. Mike White is hurt. Zach Wilson's playing. And they benched him for uh, – what is it, uh, Streeter? What's the – was 15? Was it – yeah, the kid they mentioned the, during the, that game. The sleeve, <laughs> arm sleeve. That's yeah. how I remember. I'm like, who's the big kid? Yeah. With the arm but they, sleeve? but they benched <laughs> Zach Wilson getting booed. They, it was a mercy benching. They put him in. The offense actually starts moving the ball, and the perception and all that week. That's when uh, Robert Sala had made his instant coffee comparison. All that week, they tried to defend Zach Wilson. You couldn't tell anybody that Zach Wilson had a future in New York. But what this tells me, what you're saying, is that a they believe he can play yeah, and that, that, he, that he can actually be a functioning NFL quarterback despite looking like nothing close to that. B, that Zach Wilson isn't just some spoiled brat punk because that's the, the perception of him. It feels like right. that right. it's less about, you know, whether he played too soon or whether he can play at all. It's more about, yeah, he just saying he just don't want it bad enough. He, don't, he, ain't, he ain't working. He's not putting in the time. He's just, you know, he's a, he's a silver spoon type guy. And it seems like the Jets don't view him as, um, you know, beyond uh, that. They they see him as salvageable, if not able to thrive under the right circumstances. Here's the funny thing. He didn't have any problems with his teammates. No, I mean, look, go go back to going into the 2022 season. He didn't have any problems with his teammates. There were no – you didn't hear any riffs. You didn't hear like, oh, he's just a silver spoon guy and they can't get along and – None of that existed going yeah. into the season. Okay. It didn't. Yeah. It changed when he went out there and did not perform well. And then what I think compounded it and made it worse was he was defensive. He was someone mm. that when he was questioned by the media, he reacted defensively. Right. And honestly, he said right. some things in his mind, and I truly believe this. I think after he made statements and then had a chance to step back and think about it, I think he was like, oh my God. Like, yeah, and he know, owned it. Whether, he owned yeah, it behind what, the scenes. And I do think that's true, too. I don't think the – I think the intent of his words, especially about do you think you let the defense down and that whole thing, I don't think the intent of his words were what I – and I think most people, when it went out of his mouth, I was just like, uh, yeah, you let him down. Like, you straight up should have been like, I let yeah. everybody down. Yeah. I don't think um, – in his mind, he was – I don't want to explain it away. He said what he said. Okay. I don't want to, right. I don't want to get into it, but, this. No, I get, but it was more about his, he was responding to the question. It was about, it was, a, it was it, somebody says, do you, it, 
Again, I, don't, I can give a whole interview in class on this, but if somebody says, do you feel like you let the team down? That's a confirm or deny question. And there's, and there's some triggering components to that, that you're, if he doesn't agree with that sentiment, then I, right. I, trust me, I get it. I, I, I get exactly where you're coming from. He was, this was about him versus the New York media, to your point, than it was him versus his teammates. He handled it poorly. Okay, I will say that. He did. Like, he absolutely handled yeah, he it did. poorly. I think he understood what, later. He didn't read the field well. <laughs> no, and I, he did not. And I think later yeah. he, he really regretted how that yeah. all went. And then, and then I think yeah. at that point it became a – I think he felt like, okay, the world's against – like I, I'm, I'm, I'm toast here. Like I'm – like there's yeah. – like people – it feels like the fan base hates me. It feels like my teammates are upset with me. And yeah. that's a – you know – I don't care who you are. It's a difficult place to be. You're sitting there. And then, and then your thought process is like, fuck, how do I fix this? Like, how do I, how do yeah. I now try to, you know, apologize or make myself, I wish I could go back in time and take that back. I can't. And now I don't know how to fix this. And I think there's an element of maturity there that, that he has not yet learned. You know, there's, there's an element of you're not at BYU anymore when you step in front of those microphones. And those aren't college teammates. They're grown ass men with families. This is a job. They are all fighting every single day, not for a scholarship or a start. They are fighting for livelihood, for legacy, for history, for their entire lives up until that point that delivered them to this point in the NFL. It is a whole different um, set of circumstances that you are commenting on. So um, I just think, the Jets are like, look, he is not this lost cause everybody thinks he is. He needs time yeah. to step back and learn some things. We we screwed up at the beginning with him. We should have handled it a little bit differently. So we share in this. Let's yeah. see if there is a way to get ourselves. And and I'll say this. If they were to pull this off, if he becomes a viable piece in year five, right, of his contract, yeah. sort of like for the Packers, if Jordan Love, becomes a viable piece in 2023. I definitely want to get to him, yeah. You have accomplished something as a franchise that is a massive W, okay? You have a succession you, plan. You, you, you got a succession, a succession plan. plan. Exactly. Yeah. Like, this is, yeah. this is, now it, went, it was like the Roman Roy messiness. Right. Like, I mean, it was, right. it was that bad, you know, it was every bit of the Roy family in succession. Mm-hmm. But it, in the end of the day, if you pull it off and it works, no one's going to care about the bullshit you had to go through to get no. there. No, It's just, no. did it work? It's, it's like when Rodgers, remember, it was messy between Aaron and Brett. But then once yes. Aaron got out there, people were like, yes. ah, who cares? Like, whatever, we got right. our guy. Like, this is great. And they, did, they didn't win happened. immediately. So that, so that brings me to Jordan Love. I do want to get, because I'm, I'm glad we, I'm glad the conversation went this way. Because, you know, like, we, could, we got plenty of time to do with the Jets as contenders. We got plenty of time to do right. – you know, the hierarchy, the AFC now with Rodgers in it. I mean, he only has to be competent for the Jets to be contenders given what they had at quarterback. But the things that fascinated me the most were, A, how it went down, B, the Zach Wilson of it all that you wrote about, but also you mentioned in Jordan Love. I was standing – I think I stood next to you. You and I, our eyes – our eyes met when Matt LaFleur said some of the stuff that he said. And you and I – the owners meeting in Phoenix – Yes, you we know, right next it, to each what, other. <laughs> what did he? What did he say? More or less, like, hey, like, Jordan Love, don't, don't expect him to step Pull in and be Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah like, let's let's dial it back. You know, because people yeah. think he's been like cooking in his in his oven, just ready to cook. You know, the moment right. he hits the field, what is the book 
on Jordan Love inside the Packers organization? That was that was the thing. Like you and I were standing there, and I remember looking at you right after he said, basically to paraphrase what Matt Lafleur was, what, what Matt Lafleur, what Matt Lafleur was saying about Jordan was, um, pull it back a little bit. Like we need to have some patience here. We need to have like he. Yeah. It was in in his uh, the way he was phrasing it was like he was like trying to throw cold water on this being, hey, this dude just steps in and expect the instant success. He was like ah wait a minute. And you and I were sitting there and I remember like just us raising eyebrows at each other. Like, Oh, okay. Like Mm -hmm. this is clearly a very dedicated attempt to walk back, you know, this excitement or this idea that Jordan's just going to step in. And I, I think the reason for that is in terms of Jordan's um, progression inside that program. And I, I can tell you this from people who have left the team. I'm talking and you can figure this out, coaches, players, whatever. When you talk to people about the Rodgers situation, you would always have to compare it to, well, what's going on with Jordan Love? And what you would hear about Jordan Love was he is not remotely ready to take this team over the first couple of years. It was like there's no way he's ready to take this on. Um, you would see it in snapshots of his play, particularly that start against Kansas City, um early on and it was i think there was a thought process inside the packers in the you know like going into the 2021 season remember that off season where it was like is aaron going to be here um or is he going to uh i'm sorry prior to the 2022 season that off season prior to the 2022 season it was like is are we trading aaron to the broncos is he going to be here is he going to sign a new deal and I think at that time, this is coming out of the 2021 season, the thought process was, if Jordan is our starter in 2022, we might not win many games. Like, this might be a pretty, you know, it's going to take some time and we're going to go through some pretty significant growing pains with him at quarterback. Um, I think in hindsight, Jordan Love had a lot of tools that he brought to the table. There were reasons why people were excited about him in terms of, arm strength, athleticism, just a lot of the, the raw talent he brought to the table, but it was a more raw than I think people fully understood coming into the NFL game. And I think what happened during the course of the 2022 season, I can tell you, I don't know. Like in terms of, is it real? I think Packers, if you talk to people internally at the Packers, there were some who felt um, optimistic about what they were seeing from, from Jordan in practices um, in the limited looks he got in games against the Eagles, he had a little bit of a mm-hmm. flourish when he when he went in. Um, the media was not allowed to see him, you know, day in and day out for the totality of practices to really see where he was at. But again, I think even that can be misleading anyway. You have to see them out playing in real games two, three, four, five, six weeks in a row, two months in a row, three months in a row. When teams are coming back the second time around, having film on you, knowing what you did terribly the first time, all these different things. So I think the Packers are hopeful. That's the word I would put on it with Jordan Love. They are hopeful that Jordan Love shows when he steps in in 2023, he can make progress every single game out. He can show that upward trajectory. That's all about arrows. I remember one time I was sitting in Scott McLuhan's office when when he was running uh, the Washington franchise, and we were talking about Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Scott said to me, and this is when Kirk was his quarterback, Scott said to me, like, 
It's about arrows. Is the arrow flat like this? So where you're going to kind of stay the same? Is the arrow down, which is really bad? Or is the arrow up? If the arrow's up, you will do a lot of things to try and continue that upward trajectory. If it's flat, you're sort of like, we are what we are now. Can we build out enough around him to make to make the team good enough to be a Super Bowl type of contender? I think what yeah. they need, what the Packers want to see about Jordan Love is, is the arrow going up? Is it a guy that week yeah. in and week out is making strides and we can see the growth? If that's the case, then, hey, they've got something to work with and they're going to have to figure out, do you tag him, you know, in 2024? That, th- th- and those are all wonderful quandaries to be in because it meant it means it worked. Um, yeah. Now, if it, is, if it doesn't work, I can tell you this. I think there is a reason why they wanted that first-round draft asset in 2024. Because I think they are looking at the situation going, look, if this doesn't work with Jordan Love, say it's really bad. Um, we will have our own first round asset, which likely would be fairly high in the draft if things right, go really bad. Yeah. Right. We might have bottomed out or close to it. And then if we have a second draft asset, we are going into a a draft where at bare minimum, there are going to be two quarterbacks that most personnel offices, if not all of them, agree. Right. Our Caleb franchise Williams, type. Drake yeah. Caleb Williams out of USC, Drake May out of UNC. And as you and I know, there's always a third. There's always a quarterback we're not talking right. about now. We're going to be right. talking about next year in next year's draft. And whoever that is um, will be someone that will likely surface over the course of, of the next college season or punch through in a way that NFL teams are really excited. So I think they want those assets just in case. It's the... Either we're using them to to fix the quarterback spot and take our shot next year, or Jordan Love's worked out wonderfully, or we're yeah. in that upward trajectory. Now we can start to select the pieces to build around. This is our yeah. next guy, and we move this ten years out. Well, they got look. They got the second this year to to add to talent around him. They moved up a couple of spots. It'll be interesting to see what they do in this year's draft. It'll also be interesting to see who makes the franchise or league altering acquisition that you know we don't see coming and we'll talk about that right. down the road Man, i had every intention of going into the draft with you but rogers just the trade went down and, and you've been all over it but like a couple of years ago really started a couple of years ago with the drafting of jordan love that set all mm-hmm. this in motion and here we are now charles robinson my main man thank you bro it's, it's so good to start this podcast off with you if you're not already you're missing out subscribe to you pot to win the game Charles Robinson puts it down like this all the time. Follow my man. Read my main man. Love you, bro. Thanks so much for falling through. I love you too, man. Let's make this a regular thing. Let's do this, all right? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What you you doing next week when the players are actually picked? Might be calling you next week. (laughs) Sounds good. Let's do it. Let's run it back. All right, man. Later. All right. Thanks, man. Tell you what, I could talk about the draft for hours. Um, Like I said, I've been in love with it for as long as I can remember. Uh, I bought my first custom suit uh, for the draft coverage on ESPN back in the day. You couldn't tell me nothing once I made it to the draft coverage. Uh, My oldest two kids, again, were born in May. Uh, And I like to think that wasn't accidental. Uh, Thank you so much to Bryce Young, uh, to Josh Norris, to Charles Robinson for blessing the first episode. My main man, Michael Smith. Thank you. Uh, for watching or for listening. Uh, Be sure to subscribe and come back and kick it with us next week. Peace.
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.